0: to Cinebabble episode 72. I am your host, Ken, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Clint, man of many headphones, man of many talents. Clint, tell the podcasting world hello.
1: Hi, podcasting world out there. Um, Yeah, I'm wearing like six pairs of headphones right now. It's kind of ridiculous, and I don't buy into your fashion. I think it's kind of offensive
0: and racist, actually.
1: I mean, if you try hard enough, you can use a pair of headphones as glasses. I
0: feel like you're making a comment on sweatshops, and I don't (laughs) think it's working it's uh it's, it's kind of tacky. Well, anyway, we are in the midst of our top 10 of the year list. This is actually the one Clint came up with this. This is the one I'm I've actually been most excited about. We already did our top 10 films of 2022. We did our top 10 TV series of 22. 2022 now we are doing our top 10 discoveries of 2022. These are films uh for each of us that that we have found that were released before this year but we didn't catch up with them or find them until this year and so they're they're legitimate discoveries and um I just judging by my list there's old movies and recent movies oh, yeah. and there's a whole spread of things. Um I would be shocked if we have many that are the same because these are just all over the place for me.
1: Yeah. A couple of them are ones that we have uh, did like in Sinatron. Okay. Um, and I think just that reason alone is a reason enough to do this podcast yep. and it helped me find some of these films. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to all talk right. about this. Let's jump
0: right in then at number 10, Clint, Discovery of 2022.
1: So this is one that I'd been, like, circling for a long time. Like, it was on, like, Hulu for a while. And then, like, I was excited about it just because um, Brett Gelman is in it. He's a really funny uh, guy. And – but then I saw it got bad reviews and I just kind of skipped it. And then recently – they're on Criterion. They 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 do a really fun thing where they'll have a different person on I mean, maybe once a month who like makes a um, list of movies that kind of influence them, and then they will have those up on the Criterion channel. Um, and this was, um, I think uh, it was Tessa Thompson. She had this one. Um, and this is Lemon from 2017. I've not seen this. I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, and this is um, by uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pronounce her name and uh, please forgive me, uh, Jenkiza uh, Bravo. Unforgiven. Okay, Unforgiven. Um, and I will say the closest thing that I could like compare this to, it feels like it's almost in a similar world to a uh, Yorgos uh, Lanthimos film like The Lobster, mm-hmm. where it's very like this deadpan comedy, absurdist, like, just ridiculous, like, world where the people are halfway unlikable but somehow endearing. But at the same time, it's – I found it really, really funny. And there's almost, like, no plot to this film. It's more, <laughs> like, this character who is kind of a theater teacher slash actor played by uh, Brett Gellman who – um like, is slowly getting more, like, commercial work. And it's just kind of about his, like, relationship with his wife deteriorating and him trying to date again and just him kind of being an awful friend. (laughs) And and I will say it's – I found it, like, once you click into the comedy and the world of it, I found it very funny um, I know this won't be for everyone. I was just like, maybe you hate this film. I don't know, <laughs> but I actually did enjoy it quite a bit. And um I think it's worth checking out. Okay. Uh my
0: number 10 is uh, something we reviewed because of Cynatron. It stars Isabel Furman. It is not Orphan 2, it is The Novice, uh oh, which yeah. was this uh, crazy intense. Mm-hmm a uh, kind of simple story about a college freshman who joins her university's row- rowing team. Yeah. Uh, this still even talking about it right this second makes my skin crawl. Mm. It was such a panic attack inducing yeah flick and it's just about somebody who really devotes blood, sweat and tears. It's like pure obsession. Pure obsession to something that isn't even really clear if she cares about. Honestly, at the end of the day, yeah, it's really just about being the best, mm-hmm. and she's willing to to kind of break herself to be at the the top of the heap. And it's it's a very disturbing uh, film. You want to root for her yeah, the whole time, yeah. but it's difficult uh, the further along the film goes to root for her, and it just becomes this psychological study of somebody who is uh, really uh, suffering from some pretty severe mental illness, mm-hmm. um, and not just sort of a, a dedicated hopeful. Um, and so when I first watched this, it, it was good. Uh, but it's just stuck on my mind. I've yeah. watched it since again and it just really, really stuck with me and, uh, just did terrible, terrible things to my brain.
1: Um, I was, yeah, I was surprised how much a movie about rowing, you know, could get stuck in my head, and yeah, that's definitely in my like honorable mentions of this. Yeah, um, yeah it was such a surprise. Yeah. All right. So uh, number nine for Clint. Number nine for me was Death of Stalin from oh, two thousand eighteen. Awesome. Um, also, I didn't mention that Lemon is from two thousand seventeen. Okay.
0: I completely forgot about Death Death of Stalin.
1: Yeah, by a uh, Armando one. and Ianucci. Mm-hmm. Um, man, this one is just as equally kind of. Biting and funny as all of his other work, but also like it being tied to real world, um, like historic figures that we're f- like somewhat familiar with, and like the implications of what is going on in this. It by the end it gets to me was very dark, and but equally is funny, but it's just like. Somehow it really just got very dark for me. And um, just like the like him always dealing with these people in power who are incompetent and really shouldn't be there, but somehow have worked their way there. And this one dealing with that similar structure and these similar characters, but you know where historically it ends up and that historically this is actually very true and that people actually died from pe- because people were like this were in power it just it really by the end was very dark and, but a very good it's very good yeah. and very funny <laughs>
0: yeah uh highly recommend that as well yeah. uh shocked I didn't think to put that on my list but uh that's how Many movies we watched, right? Uh, my number nine comes from 2020. It's another recent one, novice was from 2021, uh, but 2020. And it's a little Cinetron flick we watched called Meander. Mm-hmm. And this thing is claustrophobic. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is about a woman who wakes up in a weird tube uh, in a series of tubes, doesn't know where she is, and just has to kind of discover. And along the way, there's kind of a a weird little game that's happening uh, to the death, and this is not a. Going into this, I thought this was going to be a Saul knockoff kind yep. of thing, and I do not enjoy the Saul movies. No. This is not that. No. This is not oh, there's a serial killer who's trapped a woman, and there's there's way more and obviously at work uh, when this thing first starts, and it really has a, a cool air of mystery. Uh, the performances are really solid. The effects are the practical, are practical effects are and so solid. good. Um and they do such a good job and I know they just build a certain length of tube
1: yeah and they would rearrange it and they rearranged it. Yep. it in
0: different ways and lit it in different ways but it's such an effective yep. cinematic trick it really gives you the idea that mm-hmm. this just goes on and on and on yeah. Um, they even used, I don't know if you watch any YouTube videos on stuff they did. Mm-hmm. They would even put like two tubes together and then old school style matte painting. Really? Uh, at the end of the tube oh. that would make it look like it was extending uh-huh. back. And they just had all kinds of interchangeable that's awesome. Uh just little stuff that yeah. you don't think about when you're watching it because the craft is just that, that good. Um, I loved even where it went. This Me this too. is definitely a movie the whole time you're watching it, you're like this is going to be a make or break ending because if I've invested this much in this thing and it turns out to be something stupid, yep. I'm I'm really going to turn on this yeah. thing. Oh, she wakes up from a coma; she's just a dream. Uh, but no, this this movie has some ambition. It knows how to to play with that ambition in light
1: of its budget. And uh, man, so yeah, I love with such a confined like just like not even like the the setting, but the story. And what like they're they're setting themselves up for by the end it, it gets very like larger sci-fi world like yeah. you you know there's more to it than what they're just showing you um, that was in my um, honorable mentions as well and I think cool. I need to uh, revisit that one I think it would probably inch up there farther it's yeah. very very good it's yeah and it was I, very surprising
0: yeah. I actually went back to it. I just It was one of those nights over Christmas break where I'm just scrolling through movie after movie that I haven't watched yet. Nothing was hitting me. And so I decided to put something on the background and just play on my phone. Oh, there's Meander. I threw it on. I was on my phone for maybe five minutes, and then I'm watching it again. And it it was even better the second Mm -hmm. time. There's a lot of stuff layered in there. I wish I had gone back and watched it a second time when we first watched it. There's a lot layered in. Yeah based on the ending that,
1: mm. uh, that really works. That's cool. So, what's your number eight? My number eight is uh, Andrei, uh Rublev from 1966 by Andrey Tarkovsky, who did Stalker and Solaris. Mm. And this is set in, like, 15th century Russia. And it's about the, um, I think, he's relatively uh, famous, like, religious icon painter of the time. And it's about him, and he is kind of this man of peace in this world that is kind of like set in like um, war and destruction and he's mm-hmm. just trying to like, and he gets tied up in that and there's a moment where he actually like takes a vow of silence for years and years. But it's more about like, it's about this character, but also about mainly 15th century Russia and just like that world at that time. Mm-hmm. And it's, man, like Tarkovsky is like this is like a 3 hour some movie um it's paced in a very specific way specific way that he likes to pace things like if mm-hmm. you are not willing to go along with the way he does it so it's it's like stalker and slayers oh, yeah. in that regard Yeah, it's just so it's just like a snail's pace takes its time with shots with characters dialogue for it, reason for reason yeah. it's not self indulgent it's just this is how he works and this is how he shows the worlds that he decides to do uh, take on and I love it for that. Like you just have to be willing to commit yourself to it and go with that flow. And I will say this has some of the most beautiful, epic shots I've ever seen in anything. I will also say that it is not for the faint of heart <laughs> because this is clearly before the time of animal rights. Oh, wow. And there's yeah. some very dark things with horses. Okay. And I will say that. Okay. And not it's not practical effect. Well, no, practical. But very practical. Not like, too practical. <laughs> um, and it's sad, but 30s. it's also from okay. the 60s. But um, man, the world he paint like is painting is massive. And, and it's really interesting because it's broken up into like eight chapters. And so it kind of is not saying it's not nonlinear, but it's like it feels like a book where you're in a chapter and something specific's happening and we're on to another section. And like, uh, Andrew Rublev, like his character will disappear for a little bit. Hmm. And then he shows back up, but in that time frame, you're with other characters. And if you have the time to dedicate to it, and if you have interest in his other films and you're like, kind of familiar with that, it's, um, it's beautiful. It's
0: okay. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, my next flick is actually one I watched way back in high school, but... Honestly, other than my affection for it, I had completely forgotten. And so when I rediscovered it, it, it was legitimately a discovery. Uh-huh. And it was this weird thing. You've probably had an experience like this where you don't remember a movie, but then as you're watching it, hmm. simultaneously every scene I remembered as it was happening. Huh. So it was, it was this weird, simultaneous. I was watching it as if it was a new movie. And yet, at the same time, being reminded of every single thing that had seared in my brain huh. back in when I was in tenth grade. Yeah, this is a movie called No Escape from nineteen ninety four. Oh, this takes place in twenty twenty two. It's a futuristic <laughs> sci fi flick.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh huh. It's come out on Blu ray for the first time. I picked it up because, uh, you know, oh, cool, that movie from childhood. I wonder if it's any good. And it was on sale for eight bucks or something. Yeah, maybe ten on Amazon. So I ordered it, and the first thing you get, like the text scroll at the beginning, it's like the year 2022 <laughs> or however it words, and I was like, "Oh, that's too funny." Yeah, uh, this movie's actually great. Huh. Uh, it is Ray Liotta, Lance Hendrickson, Kevin Dillon, Stuart Wilson, Ernie Hudson, Don Henderson, Michael Lerner. I have like, seen
1: this movie. Tons of yeah.
0: character actors from the day. It's yeah. about this prison. Mm-hmm. That, is this, really like an island prison? Yep, yeah. An island prison this military guy goes to. And uh, Lord of the Flies style, there's, there's basically the prisoners that have been dropped there have broken into two factions. Mm-hmm. One that's very warlike and one that's trying to be civilized. And this guy gets kind of caught in between, and and somehow they even work in that he's still caught in between the goings on of the prison and the prison warden.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, this is really fun, mm. uh, and not in a campy sort of way. Yeah, uh, it's it's all practical effects. Mm-hmm. It holds up. There are very few CG shots at the beginning; those do not hold up. <laughs> those are adorable, but uh, it was it was just so much fun. And uh it was it was something that I think should have a lot more cult status than it does. Mm-hmm. I've met very few people who actually remember the movie. Yeah. And um, but yeah, it's it's on Blu-ray now.
1: And so no escape. Uh it's it's kind of a blast. I watched this for the first time like ten years ago, my buddy Matt, like handed it off to me. And it was like, you should watch this. And like, his favorite movies are like Rambo and stuff. <laughs> and I was actually, was surprised by how much fun it was. Yeah. But now, like I, this time, I should probably revisit it yeah. again. And, yeah, you should borrow it from me yeah. because,
0: I mean, it's it's definitely a 90s action movie. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, but it's not tropey. It doesn't do the the 90s action thing where it has a lot of hyperkinetic camera moves to induce yeah. the feeling of chaos. It, it genuinely, uh, has some chaos. Yes, when Ray Liotta rolls down a jungle hill through brush and branches. just like, that's not Ray Liotta. <laughs> uh, but they, I, I don't know where they got the money for it. They completely remastered it. Hmm. Uh, and it looks gorgeous uh, cool. for its age. At first it doesn't because, again, those CG shots. But yeah. um, it's a it's good-looking film. And it's really fun. That's Lots cool. of fun performances where people are in a good way just full-on chewing scenery yeah, yeah. and enjoying what they're doing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Liotta probably uh, is a little over-serious for this. Mm-hmm. feels like uh, he he almost might feel it's beneath him uh-huh. while acting in it because he, he is from Goodfellas. Uh, but everybody else is just like, man, what a paycheck. <laughs> so,
1: Clint, what's your number seven? My number seven is a little movie from 2006 called Old Joy. Um, by Kelly Reigart, um, who did that. Uh, did you ever see Wendy and Lucy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she did Wendy and Lucy and that okay. n- Night Moves, mm-hmm. um, which is a fantastic movie. And this is, I believe, her first um, like full length film. And man, compared to my last film that I, the Andrea Rublev polar opposite movie. This is a uh, small movie about two characters who, uh, two friends who go off into the woods um, on this hike to go to this hot spring, to just go to the hot spring for the weekend. And it's just about these, um, it's very subtle. There's very little dialogue to the movie and there's like very little. in as far as like, Character development, like it very, like they're almost like silent the whole time, but somehow through just looks and the little bit of information you get from, like when they are talking, and from the beginning, you fully realize who these guys are, in their relationship, and where it is, and mm-hmm. how they're at this point in their lives where they're on two different paths. They used to be really great friends who would do things together all the time, but you realize now. Like the one is gonna be a father, and the other is kind of this drifter who just like lives life to the fullest each day. And man, it's it's so subtle. And uh one of my favorite aspects of it is um one of my favorite bands, Joe Letango, does all the music for it. So it's just a really great score. Hmm. It's super small. Like I they have a great um on the Criterion channel making of thing, and they're just talking about how like, yeah, it was like five of us. We went off into the woods. And didn't know this was even gonna be a full length hmm. feature. Like we thought it yeah. could have been a short. We didn't know how much film we were gonna get. Hmm. And um and what's it called again? Old Joy. Old Joy. And it's just this delightful little movie about these two characters. Okay. And it's like eighty minutes. It's very short. Um As okay. long and, as it needs to be. Yep, as long as it needs to be, tells a story and you get you get what you need to get. Can I can I tell you an epiphany i had about you
0: okay can we just take a small break here <laughs> i'm uh, ready for it i i realized just now yeah because because this is our 72nd episode we've we've done and and actually we've done more. way more than yeah, that because yeah. because we had some things that aren't numbered but well. uh, you know we have we have a, we have a lot of episodes together i i've noticed that with a lot of movies you love here is the description uh-huh so this movie <laughs> doesn't really have a story it doesn't have dialogue it doesn't have characters there's no cinematography really there's also no music it's also just kind of a black screen but it's really good you're saying i just don't (laughs) like movies (laughs) so many movies that you love start with here's what it does not have (laughs) And, and I totally get it. It's just really funny because in my brain, we've talked about this before, my brain's the type that like, where's my story? Where's my characters? Where's my, whereas you're just like, man, this camera did some crazy stuff and they explored some weird stuff and they didn't need this to do it. Man. I like
1: restraint.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, let's see what we don't have to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like let's pull back a little yeah. bit, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I'm, and I yeah. like Wakanda forever. <laughs> On your list,
0: no, no, it wasn't actually. This is the first year uh, of the movie list that I did not have an MCU movie on my Was online. that because
1: of me? No,
0: no, okay. I don't. I'm not coddling you, man. Okay, uh, it was just because the other movies were just so much better than anything the MCU had, even at the MCU's best. Uh, it, it couldn't breeze into that top 20, so
1: yeah. So, yeah. anyway, yeah, old joy. Oh, I, I thought you were done. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I was done. Okay. Go ahead.
0: All right. Uh, my number seven is the polar opposite of what you just described. It is 1981's possession. Uh oh. this is from director, and God help me with his pronunciation. Yes. But Andrzej Zulowski. Uh, he's it. a Polish director. Oh. No, definitely <laughs> did not uh, nail it. Uh this is the weirdest horror body horror movie. Mm. I think I've ever seen. And I don't say that lightly. And it's not because it's super gory. Yeah. There's there's gore to it, but we've talked about body horror before. This is body horror done right. This is 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 things happening that that really just mess with that part of your brain that understands this should not be happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, this is also really interesting because You would not be uh, wrong to turn this off after 15 minutes and say, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. The acting is the worst I've ever seen. Uh, But this is actually done with some intention. This is based on a Polish acting style that emphasizes overacting. Mm. It's not called overacting. It's just, uh, I'm trying to remember how they describe it. It's, it's going to the extent of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so hands are flying and voices are screaming and eyes are bulging and everything feels like it's dialed up to 11 for every scene. Uh, the plot is basically about this woman uh, who tells her husband, played by Sam Neill, that she's having an affair and she's leaving him and their son, Mm -hmm. he kind of loses his mind in grief. She goes off and, like, genuinely loses her mind. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, for lack of a better term, starts to just give birth to something. (laughs) And that's where the movie's still normal. Okay. Where it goes from there... uh, I don't even want to put into words. I want you to experience it. I'm excited movie. to watch it. Even if you hate it, this is your kind of movie. I'm sure. This is bonkers.
1: As much as – I love um, Sam Neill, so that's an know, in for me already.
0: As as bonkers as this was, I cannot believe I loved it as much as I did. Nice. Because I genuinely – I I am – first 15, 20 minutes, I've heard a bunch about this movie or just reading about it, called yeah. horror articles and things. And first 20 minutes of this movie, it's, it's almost grating to my brain because mm. – The acting is so over-the-top and expressive. Mm -hmm. Then it begins to totally make sense. There's things that happen in this movie. Uh, At one point, a character injures himself to try to express... Sam Neill injures himself with, like, a, a meat carver to try to express the pain he's feeling. But literally, in the next shot, there's no wound on his arm. Mm. And so you you start to figure out that the overacting, what you're watching is a movie that's expressing visually what the characters are feeling inside. Okay. It's not actually what is happening. Yeah, And yeah. you pick up on it because of those context clues. Mm-hmm. It's just, it is as if somebody took the emotions out of them. Put them out. And put them out. In, and, in, put them yeah. out. Uh-huh. and so it feels character and it feels overacting because these characters are experiencing... Once I figured that out, oh, man, this this movie just took off for me.
1: Is that a style um, that's meant for the stage or something? Yes. Okay. Yes,
0: I believe so. And it's in early Polish films, and it's something okay. they still do. It has a name. I yeah. should have written it down. I didn't. Uh, there's actually quite a few YouTube videos about it. Do you want to give it a name right, it. right now? Uh, Scharzenvergen. Got it. There you go. That was not <laughs> Polish at all. I apologize to the people kind of, of Warsaw. That was kind of awful. Warsaw's in Poland, right?
1: Yes. <laughs> Clint, save me. What's number six? I believe I'm Polish, so it's okay. I really? believe you. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. At least partially. <laughs>
1: Interesting. Number six. Uh, number six for me. Oh, this is a movie that Sinatron brought to us. And man, this was a fantastic movie that I um, wish I had caught at the time because it would have definitely been on my top list of the year. But Surge from 2020 mm. by uh, Anil Korea man about a man's just pure descent into madness talk about another panic attack inducing movie oh, man it's but it's so well acted and you're like somehow so empathetic towards this guy like even though he's doing horrible things yeah. he's just stealing and like just everything he has no impulse control at all uh but you like realize that he's going through something he's going through this mental break of sorts and you're like just wanting somebody around him to not coddle him and just see that he needs help. See that he's suffering Suffering and 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 needs intervention. He needs intervention for sure. And and it's so well done at showing somebody just going through this experience. And um, just artistically, as far as just shot, it just gets into that mindset so well. Um, I I was surprised how much I liked this movie.
0: My number six is from 2019. Uh, We both really enjoyed it. It's a horror comedy called Villains. Oh, Uh, yeah. And this stars Bill Skarsgård, Micah Monroe, Jeffrey Donovan, Donovan, and Kira Sedgwick. It's this couple that that break into uh, this older married couple's house to rob them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, much to their chagrin, uh, discover that this older married couple are just Serial killers. <laughs> and uh honestly, hilarity ensues. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem like hilarity should ensue, but we talked about it at the time, uh, whenever that episode was, and we talked about it's it's full on cartoonish. Yeah. It yeah. it should not feel or or be as effective as it is based on how cartoonish it, it can sometimes be, but it's so funny. And it's it's uh, another kind of over the top, mm-hmm. um, but this is one where the actors are having a blast, and you genuinely feel for these two characters that you shouldn't care about because they're there to rob an yeah. older couple. Yeah. Um, but it becomes this this sort of survival comedy, mm-hmm. if that's a thing. Uh, but I guess villains made it that. Uh, there's not a lot more to say about it.
1: It's just kind of a fun romp with serial killers. And it also by the end has a strange like almost like emotional twist to it where you don't realize how much you've come to, I don't know, care for the characters that you were introduced to at the beginning and the circumstances that they've got themselves involved with. And it has some, I don't know, emotional payoff to it at the end that I I wasn't expecting and it it worked for me. Even the
0: serial killer husband and wife, there's a broken but very real affection between mm-hmm. the two of them that I, I don't want to say it makes you feel for them but you you um you almost sort of respect the love they have for each other and yeah. you start to understand in their kind of psychosis or sociopathy where it's turned into this strange marriage of of mayhem and and marriage. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. It's just it's it's a very strange movie but it works. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh it's it's a good time. It's a good time. So number 5. Number 5. Um this was another small film that I recently found on the Criterion Channel and this is called um What Happened Was from 1994 um and this was directed by um and created by Tom Noonan, you know from Manhunter. He's the mm-hmm. the bad guy, and the the serial killer in that. And he's also been like in Schen- Schenectady, yeah. New York, and the Tooth Fairy. Yes, he's the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> Very tall, lanky uh, guy um, that you would recognize right away if you knew. Oh, him he was
0: in everything in the eighties, oh 90s. yeah.
1: He's so good. Yeah, um, such a specific actor. Um. And this is like another really small film, and this was based on a play that he had written hmm. and he was performing, and it's just two characters. It's about this man who goes over to this woman's house for a date, and it's just about them trying to get to know each other in this very realistic like first date like scenario where you're trying to play, feel each other out, and um, it's very funny, and it gets very strange at the middle, hmm. and there's a section in the, in the middle of this where he's a writer and she like reveals that, oh yeah, she's a, she writes too. She writes like, um, poems and stuff. And she says she's written this children's book. And there's this long sequence where she reads the entire story to him. And it's not a children's story at all. (laughs) And he just see his face just like sink and like realize like what he's hearing. (laughs) and It's so funny. And, um, it's a very like low-key movie it's mm. it's very much just a stage play where they d- adapted it for this movie um, very successfully and um and then it's just about these two characters um and uh it's got that really delightful like um 90s feel to it mm-hmm. um, I can't re- it's from 94 and uh yeah highly recommend it all very right very good.
0: My number five is one I think you are definitely familiar with. We talked about it earlier this year um, because I had just watched it recently at that point. But it's 1977's House. Oh, yeah. uh, Which is, man, bonkers. (laughs) So bonkers. (laughs) So bonkers. (laughs) Uh, Let me me just read the description instead of trying to sum it up. In an effort to avoid spending time with her father and his creepy new (laughs) lover— Young Gorgeous resolves to visit her aunt's remote mansion with six of her closest friends in tow, including the musically inclined Melody and the geeky prof. (laughs) Gorgeous arrives at the estate where supernatural events occur almost immediately. A severed head takes flight, household appliances come to life, and a portrait of a cat seems to contain an evil spirit. (laughs) Man, if you have not watched House. House is so far ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's certainly a 70s Japanese film but it is doing things that would not uh start to be done elsewhere for probably another 10 20 years yeah and it is it's it's not just bonkers for bonkers sake no it is bonkers but it's it's legitimately unsettling at times mm-hmm. it's legitimately funny at times it's it's it reminds me a lot of um uh to a lesser degree, House of the Katakuris. Yeah, like a um, Takashi Mike, yes. like for sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely throwing everything at the wall, but not to see what sticks. No. It's throwing everything at the wall with very deliberate purpose and delight. Mm-hmm. It's it's certainly having a good time with what it's doing. Uh, but it it is. I guess technically horror comedy, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a lot of other things too. And it's it's also, you could honestly just watch it as a surrealist art piece. For sure. Uh, you know, if you were going uh, through a modern art exhibit and you walked into a room and this was just playing on the wall, you would not think it was a film. You would think that, you know, well, certain stretches of this were just right. this modern art, uh, you know, media presentation mm-hmm. um, because it's, it's that visually – engaging. Um and it 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 does like to mess with your eyes and your mind. So yeah. 1977's house. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited that you got to watch that yeah. and you enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, are we on number four? I, oh my goodness. Yes, I believe so. This is a fun list, by
1: the way. Yeah. I like this a lot. All right, number 4. So number 4, this is one that you told me to watch and okay. I, this was around our horror episode okay. for the year for our um for well, we do we do a lot of horror, but, oh, this, yeah. was our, but this was uh, our Halloween
0: designated horror episode. Our Halloween episode. Yeah.
1: And this is um The Blob from 1988. Ah, yes. By Chuck Russell. Yes. And this was one that like I always like knew of the original Blob. Yeah. And this like how good can most sequels be really? Like they're not usually very good. And this is one that I didn't know anything about and just assumed it was like, oh, whatever. And then you told me to watch it. Man, this is one like slowly jumped up or like quickly jumped up my list of like movies to go back to at Halloween. Yep. It's so fun. The effects are fantastic in it, like up there almost with like the thing, yep. like just like those practical um, effects from that time period and done so well. Um, and honestly, I, I enjoyed all the characters from it. I was surprised how much like they're very like kind of like tropes of that time. like, you know, of like all these high school, we got the bully and we are like the jocks and the, the outcast and, 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 you know, the, the, the cheerleader, um, attractive girl and all that stuff but it's i don't know it's so much fun and i um highly recommend yeah. if you haven't seen the blob from 1988 Whew. that's one i've been like telling people like have you seen the blob like and they're like what
0: yeah everybody so looks exact. at you like why yeah. why would i go watch that I'm like no 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 it's very you need to watch blob i actually i had uh, an argument worked out where i was going to put <laughs> this on my list because yeah. literally i watch it every year And I feel like it's a whole new movie every year. Yeah. And I was really going to push that. You should let me have this on my list. So I'm so glad you put it on yours. Now I don't have to cheat the system (laughs) uh, to be able to uh, get that movie in there. It's very
1: good. It really—it's so much. fun. I was fun. so happy, like it, that when you told me to watch it, and it was very, it was good as you were saying, yeah. or actually, like you didn't even like set it up. You were just like, you should watch this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was definitely giving you the nod yeah. of, I really
0: think you'll like this, which yeah. I don't usually do because I get very nervous that I'm going to hype you on something, yeah, and then it's just not going to work for you.
1: Yeah, but it's so pleasant yeah. and fun. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, every Halloween I love watching a double feature of the blob and the thing it's awesome. it's just it's so much fun yeah uh my number four is uh really a flick that I don't want on here <laughs> <laughs> but it 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 needs to be okay it's from 2011 now this is a movie I watched in 2011 yeah and I hated it I thought it was stupid and unrealistic and depressing, and why in the world would anyone want to subject themselves to this? The greasy strangler. No. (laughs) Fast forward to the age of COVID. Uh Uh-huh. Smell it? I hope not, otherwise you're infected. No, this is 2011's Contagion from (laughs) Steven Uh Soderbergh, which I I legitimately hated. I forgot everything about. Yeah. And then, sure enough, early this year— uh, coming out of all the pandemic stuff, I was just like, I wonder if. Yeah, yeah. I just, I wonder if. And sure enough, Contagion plays way different uh-huh. in 2022, yeah. 11 years later, than it did in uh, 2011. Uh, it's it's scary. It's believable. It's exactly what, if COVID had been a, a legitimate, mm-hmm. uh, fast-traveling, but incredibly deadly disease. yeah. Uh, it feels like how uh, the world and governments would have reacted to it. Mm. Um, it was wild how much more made sense and how much <laughs> more was just like, I know that term. I know that term. Uh-huh. Oh, that guy is what Dr. Fauci would be. Oh, that guy is, you know, yeah. it just, it, it was a whole new experience. Uh, was it still depressing? Yes. Was it still an awful experience? Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, it was. It's not a pleasant film unless mm. you want to see Gwyneth Paltrow deteriorate in three movie days time. Mm -hmm. Um, But really good. It was somehow therapeutic because by the end, uh, you know, it's one of those race-defined patient zero, and then we can quickly come up with a vaccine. Yeah. Wildly unrealistic, Mm -hmm. but as far as, you know, wish fulfillment. Right. uh, You know, it had everything. It had uh, despairing realism and hyper-fantasy at the end that made me feel better. Uh, but no it's Well in it's, our world we're just looking for that bat. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's got everybody and their brother in it. It really does have an impressive cast. Uh but man is it a depressing movie. So should I revisit it? Uh I don't know. Okay. I for some reason it just I watched it and I was completely blown away because I was just I was in a mode of I had so dismissed that movie. Yeah. Um and coming back to it And that was, I think that was a really interesting aspect to it, how the real world can change, Mm. you know, something that seemed unrealistic, something that seems realistic. Or take House of Cards. Mm -hmm. used to seem so wild and over the top plot-wise, then you get to 2016 to 2020, and you're like, no, it's, you know, House of Cards was kind of quaint and cute, and they didn't dream big enough. (laughs) And so, Kevin Spacey is a good guy. Well, totally. <laughs> good man that Kevin Spacey. I uh, You heard it
1: first. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I I I do think he has more to aspire to. He could be more of a Brian Singer. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> What are you gonna do? You know, right. Everybody, everybody can't be a Michael Jackson. Yeah. So Clint, uh, here we go. What's your number three? Do we wanna do our uh, runners up? I don't have any, but I'll, you I'll can you... certainly mention yours.
1: Okay, I already mentioned uh that there were two that you already had talked about, which were meander and novice. Mm-hmm. So this is a I'm gonna do this as one thing because it I watched them together and they're by the same director, but this is August thirty second on Earth from nineteen ninety eight in Maelstrom from two thousand two, both by Denis Villeneuve. I remember you telling me about these. Yeah, and they—they um, they, man, I've been hooked on the Criterion recently. But they've been really like getting these nice, like just like groups of films together that like it makes it easy to you know watch and compare and explore. And uh, they had a kind of little retrospective on his earlier films. So these are some of his early ones that he did. And it's just fascinating to watch where he came from and what he was doing because I I don't know exactly how I felt about these movies, but it was really in that way fascinating to see where he came from and – how he's grown as an artist, and they're they're interesting films they're they're very strange and like almost like kind of these- accompanying pieces they have similar um like things that they're dealing with and uh characters and the tone and everything um but they're worth checking out just in that aspect of how an artist grows and uh where he came from
0: okay, it's cool
1: okay um my number three uh oh no,
0: that was your. Runners up.
1: Now you're number three.
0: Well, I got confused. Oh,
1: sorry. I got confused. That's okay. Um, Number three, this is a movie that I talked about recently on uh, What You Watch and that I had just discovered, and that is After Hours from 1985 Mm. by Martin Scorsese.
0: Which you declared Martin Scorsese's best.
1: No, I'm saying my favorite. Your favorite. Yeah. I I would not put that on anyone because I apologize. You're right. I remember um, that now. Just because it's— this movie feels like it's ahead of its time as far as the sense of humor that it's um that it's trying to uh, get across is like it has a punch drunk love feel to it to me like I wouldn't be surprised if he took some inspiration from that Um did it, have you rewatched this since I talked about it And I went and watched the trailer for it and I thought
0: maybe you were a little drunk when you recommended it but I'm still gonna watch it <laughs> no because the trailer's bad
1: the, no, trailer's... the trailer is fantastic and the movie is exactly like that oh dear <laughs> well
0: this does not bode well Clint <laughs> for my opinion of this film
1: now go on go on No, this movie is great. It's just about this guy who goes to meet this girl and, um, his gets stuck in this part of New York and he wants to just get home. It's kind of like, um, kind of like, uh, a wizard of Oz where he just like, he's Dorothy and he can't get home. Or adventures in babysitting. Mm, I've never seen that. (laughs) Really?
0: No. Oh, Uh, if you had seen it, you would have busted out laughing. That's (laughs) low key insulting.
1: Uh. (laughs) Sorry. sorry. I've never seen that. That's you know, Well, man, I'm not your highbrow of movie watching that I know I'm adventures and babysitting. I'm sorry. That was
0: borderline R when I was a kid. It was a hard <laughs> PG 13, oh. uh, about a young adult who takes kids out into the, into New York city when she's supposed to be watching them. Cause she's got to uh, go help a friend with a flat tire or something. Hmm. And, uh, they have misadventures and, uh, you know, gangs in the New York subway flipping switchblades at them and dropping the F-bomb. It was the first time I ever heard an F-bomb, and my mom about had a heart attack because <laughs> she was not expecting this PG-13 Disney movie to drop a, or Buena Vista, or whatever it was.
1: Yeah. This is, I don't know, this is, a, I wouldn't say it's that wacky. I mean, it is wacky, but it feels, there's intention behind it, and it feels much more sophisticated. I don't to me anyway, I it, it just struck a chord with me. I okay. really love the um the main character. Um I think it's worth watching. Okay. <laughs> uh my, You're not going to watch it again, are you? <laughs> oh, I'm going to watch it now.
0: Now I have to know because I thought for sure it's just a bad, bad trailer. But I also had no idea what was happening in that trailer. If you
1: watch the weird. movie, you'll know. I think you'll notice the, tra- Maybe then the trailer, the trailer makes
0: more sense. Okay. Uh, my number three is a Korean horror film from Park Chan-wook that I have just somehow always missed and never gotten to. Uh, he's the director of Old Boy. This is The Handmaiden. Mm. Uh, and The Handmaiden... Uh, There's an orphan pickpocket, uh, a Korean con man, and they devise an elaborate plot to seduce and bilk a Japanese woman out of her inheritance. Mm. And that is the simple plot (laughs) synopsis of this film. It's not complicated. It just, like most of his films, gets twisted and uh, bizarre and uh, has has some really kind of good uh, spine-chilling sequences and just things that uh, leave you feeling off kilter and mm-hmm. uncomfortable, and uh this is one I had completely forgotten I had missed it uh along the way and just finally got back to it and uh just watched it two weeks ago. Mm. I was like, oh man this is this is something uh, I'm not saying it's an old boy, um but it's it's definitely my favorite of his uh post old boy mm. uh films, although I guess Lady Vengeance was after old boy, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, okay,
1: anyway. Your number two. Uh, my number two is Possum from That's 2018. That's my number two. Uh, by Matthew Holness. We've talked about this one a lot. I was, oh. it's so, it was so oh. surprising how much I love this film and yeah. how unsettling it is. Um, Even
0: when he's reading the poetry or doing the kids book, uh, you know, those little, the the rhyme, the nursery yeah. rhyme. Oh, it just, I get chills.
1: yeah. And I I I love the kind of ambiguity of like what is exactly happening? Is this man involved in things that he should not be involved with, or is he a victim of something and he's interpreting it in this very odd way? Like, or he's like trying to deal with it in this certain way. Um, And I love the pacing of it. It's just so like so on its own terms, telling this story. And not in a typical
0: way I would use this description, but it's it's dreamlike. Yeah. Not dreamlike in that you can't follow the plot or it's suddenly switching things. Just dreamlike in that it's sort of like a dream where you can't tell if you're dreaming or not. You right. can't quite tell if something is actually happening or not happening. And and this this whole movie has that kind of uh, just over overbearing feeling of something that you're looking at may not be what you're actually mm-hmm. looking at or what's actually happening or you're missing pieces it's it's a very strange thing to describe yeah uh, but the atmosphere is just fantastic and and really lends itself to to the movie
1: yeah and i very i mean rarely like has an aspect of a film like the horror element of it gotten more frightening as it goes on like for me and this like it never lets up like the the whole thing with his puppet and what is like actually going on with that in the imagery of it like it was it was just this perfect like combination of unsettling elements and the the mind frame that he's in in the world that how it's being painted that it never lets up for me.
0: And if you haven't heard us talk about it, it's not a killer puppet movie. No, 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 at all. No, it just—it's more a psychological
1: like the, investigation
0: than anything. Yeah, the the puppet is almost a just an extension of his psyche. Yeah, even that sounds pretentious, but it's—it's it's just sort of an extension of him. It's—it's it's the the ugly inside of him, sort of manifested outside. Yeah. Um. And,
1: uh, oh, just looking at that thing. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. I mean, I don't know why, like, this should be unlike every top horror movie list from the past, whatever, 10 years. It's so good. Yeah. Um, All right, well... That brings us to number one,
0: then, since that was both for number twos. I can't remember if the one I have at number one you discovered this year, too. If so, I think it's going to be the same one for our number one.
1: My number one is the square. Ha!
0: My <laughs> number one, also the square.
1: Ah, all right. Yeah, yeah. I Let's just talked the square. I, this was one that I'd seen around on streaming services and always thought it was like about like an MMA fighter or something, because like, Or some like fighting ring because there's like a big muscly guy in the front and it's the square. And so I just never had any interest in it. And then I finally like broke down and investigated what it was and like, it was like, oh, this is by the director who did Force Majeure. And oh, this is what that's about. So man, watching it, I was so pleasantly surprised with just the bizarreness of this film and like how the The comedy of it it's so funny, and the things it's like diving into to try to make a point about or investigate is so much deeper than what I was expecting, and still like leaves mystery for you yeah. to interpret at at its base level. It's a
0: satire of the art scene yeah. uh the the high art modern mm-hmm. art scene um but that's really just where it starts. It has so much more to offer. And we we talked about it before. It does such interesting things where it will suddenly reveal something about a character that completely changes the way you think of them mm-hmm. and recontextualizes everything that's come before. And it's, it's such a, a cool experience because it would be one that you would think would throw you off because now I've got to rewrite what I know. But it doesn't in a way where you just sort of add it in and now here's another layer of this person – that helps me understand what's going on.
1: Yeah, it starts to paint them as this three-dimensional person where, like, everybody has these, like, multi-level aspects to them. And then it starts doing that to these characters that they're not just, like, the the comedy relief or they're not just this wealthy man in this position of power. Um, He's a man who's trying to figure out his dating life, and he's actually, like, kind of, like... Um, not like pathetic, but just like, he's like everyone else is like trying to figure it out and he's got some darkness that he's not dealing with in the right way or like that he's, um... Yeah, it's a very multi-level to the, like this character and the characters around them. I realized while watching
0: Tar, they're essentially the same film. Yeah. It's essentially about this person who's in complete control. I mean, very, very different films. Oh, right. But the story, it's essentially about this high-level professional in their field. One is music, one is art, and they are in control of everything, but then slowly lose grip on that. Uh, and and because they they can't figure out a way to kind of combine their past with their personal life with their work life, um, and they just they make you know not great decisions because of it. Uh, now they go in very different directions. But uh, the whole time I was watching Tara, I was like, oh, this is, this is kind of the square, <laughs> just more serious.
1: Um, well, and that investigation of like this. A uh, very um, highbrow art scene, where the art is saying it's exploring these very um, deep circumstances of the human experience and like trying to make commentary on it but then when they're faced with the real world versions of that in their daily lives they're either like ignoring it or trying to use money to push yeah. it under the rug or um and it, it's it, it's very interesting how they're going into those um and like what you act and when you're actually faced with this thing in your life what kind of person are you, and what are you going to do with? Just like saying like something in a work of art is really not doing anything.
0: When I watched it a second time, there's a, there's a scene early on. Elizabeth Moss appears in a, a small role in this movie, mm-hmm. and she's interviewing him, and he asks her, you know, if we took your purse and we put it over there, does that make it art? Uh huh. And that became my second time through. That was that was my okay, that's the defining idea behind this movie. It's if you take this person who looks a certain way and is considered a certain thing Mm -hmm. in his field and you start removing him and putting him in other scenarios or you get a window into other pieces of his life, is he still that thing? Right. You know, what determines what he actually is? And then you start to realize, oh, that's what they're doing with all of these people. That's what they're doing with this whole world. It's not so much a criticism of the art world. It's more a, you know, is it possible to take yourself so seriously that you insulate yourself from understanding who people actually are, who an artist actually is, who a filmmaker actually is, you know, whatever it may be uh and it was just it was so interesting that the second time i watched it the first time was just funny and just trying to keep up and mm-hmm. loving what it was doing the second time was a much more cerebral kind of themes and and what the satire is doing for it right
1: me. and i'll say like i i talked about it on my the best of and um on an episode the, the triangle which is the new movie mm-hmm. by this director And it's doing very similar things where you are, there's these very wealthy, well-to-do people, and you strip back that wealth and then put them in a circumstance where they just have to survive and live. And you see who they are. Um, It's very much like all his pieces are very like companions to each other and uh, exploring different things. Um, so I'm interested to see what you think of that one too. I, I honestly, I, I don't think it's as strong as a square, but I, the I, the triangle of, the triangle of sadness. Yeah. Um, I wonder if we'll do another shape. Is huh. the square? That's funny. The circle? I had thought of that. I neither Just That's to now. All right. Um, but, so, so oh, I would like to see what you think of that and, yeah. um, it's, it's well worth watching. Yeah. No, we, there's
0: a, there's a couple of movies we've watched here at the tail end of the year that we really need to just put in an episode and dig yeah. through a little more. Um. I won't be much of a surprise whether we like it or not, but, you know, at least we can talk about them. And, for sure. And delve in. All right, so your top 10 discoveries of 2022 are, go for um,
1: Lemon from 2017, Death of Stalin from 2018, Andrei Rublev from 1966, um, Old Joy from 2006, uh, What Happened Was from 94, After Hour—oh, wait, The Blob from 1988— After Hours from 1985, Possum from 2018, and The Square from 2017. Okay. Uh, Mine are uh, The
0: Novice and Meander, both from 2021, or Meander might have been from 2020, Uh, No Escape from 1994, Possession from 1991, uh, Villains, uh, or excuse me, Possessions from 1981, Villains from 2019, House from 1977, Contagion from 2011, don't watch that one though. Uh Possum <laughs> from 2018, The Handmaiden from 2016, My Cheat for the Blob from 89, and then finally The Square. Uh like we've talked about at length. Mhm. That was cool. I I like those lists. Yeah. I'm actually uh a bunch of the stuff that you've put on your tops this year. I'm just going to go through and write them all down and just start watching that stuff. Do it. All right. I like it. I just got to be prepared for Horse murder. (laughs) Horse murder. There's two words I never thought I would say on a podcast, but horse murder.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Avoid horse
0: murder at all costs. Preferably. When you can. Preferably. Yeah. Uh, So, as always, you can find us at www.cinebabblecast.com, or you can find us on Instagram, at Cinebabble. Send us some questions. Uh, We got a mailbag episode coming up here soon um, because I got a pile of things that are pretty fun. And uh, otherwise... Enjoy the beginning of 2023, and uh, I don't know, before you know it, it'll be February.
1: Crazy. And if you are one of the 6,000 Instagram mm-hmm. followers, mm-hmm. try to get one of those who don't actually listen to the podcast <laughs> to listen to it. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. would be nice. They just, just love just Ken's more. posts. You just like I, must be posting amazing I pictures. I haven't posted in a
0: while, actually. <laughs> We've lost 30 subscribers because I just stopped posting since like... Simber something or other.
1: Hmm. I don't know. Goodness.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to weed out the people that were just
1: using for me. Your, your using good me for my. Are they just it. pictures
0: of you, like selfies? That's why I should start doing. Yeah, just, it's like you. Ta-ta. I should just recreate movie posters with you and La- just twenty movie posters <laughs> that I recreate in my basement of me. Like, please do that. <laughs> Just put a pan with fire coming out of it and just stand there like Michael J. Fox. Back
1: I, to the future. If that's why we have 6,000 followers on Instagram, I'm all about it. <laughs> like if it's you doing that kind of stuff, I'm all on board. I was
0: just trying to rope some people in that would listen to a podcast, but I, I just, I don't think it worked so well. <laughs> oh, well. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm not recreating movie posters in my
1: basement with my face. Maybe. I think. No, I appreciate the effort. I just want to see yeah. if we can get some of those to listen. Oh, it'd be nice. Yeah. It'd be nice. All right. Do we well, need to give away prizes? Ugh,
0: I don't know. Maybe. We can. That never seems to work. Hmm. I don't know. I don't okay. know. We'll figure it out. All right. So uh, thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, we will be back with episode 73 before you know it. Uh, in the meantime, I am Ken, and this is Clint. This is me. Uh, yeah. We know each other's names, or which what? I bumbled at the beginning of episode 70. Somehow.
1: We're getting there.
0: Because that's what you do at 44. You f- literally forget your own name. Mm-hmm. So, when you're looking What's at What's in a name else. anyway? A lot, apparently. Identity. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have yourselves a wonderful new year. And uh, we'll be back in a little while with some more to talk about. Yep. See you, Clint. Bye, Ken.